In my family, I think that I use communication for a lot of this is just talking to them about the paradoxes, talking to them about what they're going through. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, I have a special surprise for you. You have a special surprise for me? Yes. Well, what could that be? Well, so oftentimes when we have guests on our podcasts, you know who the person is better than I might. You know, a special speaker, a big name, or something like that. But this time, I know this person, and you don't. So I'm kind of excited about that. Well, I'm glad you're excited. Who is this special person? <laughs> this is Monica Swanson, and she is a blogger from Hawaii. Hawaii, where it's always warm or hot, and usually either sunny or raining. <laughs> That's right. You've been there before, then. I've been there before, and she is a blogger, so she <laughs> has a blogosphere. And she does, and the reason why... She was of interest to me, and I think by extension of will be of interest to you, is she is a mom of all boys. All boys. Well, God only does that to women who can handle it. <laughs> oh, wait, you're a mom of boys. I'm a mom of boys. Yeah, That's and right. I had seven children, six girls. And one boy. Yeah, the Lord knew I could handle only one. <laughs> only one. But yet, you have a very popular conference talk, teaching boys and other children who'd rather be making forts all day. Yes, yes. Has Monica heard that talk? I think she has. Monica, have you heard that talk? I have heard that talk about four times in a row. Okay. <laughs> and that's what we're going to talk about then, is we are. being a mama boys and boys and teaching boys and getting boys to write and stuff like that. I would like to title this podcast, The Joy of Boys. Hmm. How about the joyness of boyness? The joyness of boyness. <laughs> Is joyness a word? There's a book title. It's got a, it's got a totally match. Joys of boys. The joys of boys. That's yes. right. That's 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 right. All right. So and Monica is working on a book. And so rather than us asking Monica questions, I thought it would be helpful to Monica, and she agreed that she would be asking you questions so that she could do, be doing some research for her book. Hmm. Well, da, da, da. don't know if I can say anything that isn't in the talk that she's heard four times, but I uh, would like to know, kind of up front, Monica, how many boys do you have? I have four boys and a four husband. Four and a husband, so five. <laughs> and and uh, aside, aside from the husband, what are the ages of your children? Yes, I have 18-year-old 16-year-old, 14-year-old, and then a 7-year-old to keep me on my toes. And keep you young. To either keep me and young or make me old. I have not decided which yet. <laughs> and you live in Hawaii, so do they I all do. surf? They all surf a lot. A lot. Yes. Yes. I 
have a competitive surfer who's 14 and the rest of them are just what we call free surfers. (laughs) So Monica, tell our listeners where you just came back from with your 14-year-old son. Yes, I just came back from a miserable trip to Tahiti, (laughs) which wasn't (laughs) miserable. A lovely trip. Uh, He had a surf contest in Tahiti and he's now at the age where these young boys need to start traveling and so I spent a week in Tahiti with him. <laughs> so I was, before we got on, I was telling Monica, when I was raising my boys, my boys are all older now, all grown up, Monica, there is life after homeschooling boys. But when my middle son had to do traveling for his sports, we went to Chino from Garden Grove. So that's like a 20 mile drive and not quite as far. But just another little story about Monica, and then I'll let her ask you her questions. My oldest son, Daniel, who lives in Northern California, texted me just yesterday, actually, and said, Mom, can I get your recipe for French toast casserole? (laughs) Right? And my boys do this quite often. They like to get the recipes that they grew up with from me. And what I did is I sent Daniel a link to Monica's blog, where she talks about she would ask her mom for her recipe for French toast casserole. Mm -hmm. So there we go. So so now Daniel has the link, and we'll put that in the show notes, of (laughs) Monica's French toast casserole. That's the healthy version of it, which Uh, I love that. And she even puts bananas in it, if you like uh bananas, or Mm -hmm. optional, if you don't. If you're in Hawaii, you could put in papaya, mango, macadamia yes. nuts. I can think of a lot of ways you could improve French yes. toast. Yes. <laughs> and we grow all of those things you just named too. So in our backyard. So I do that. <laughs> well, so you're writing a book. That's an undertaking. And mm-hmm. it's about boys. And mm-hmm. you have still some unanswered thoughts or questions. Well, I have at this point 12 chapters in the book and the manuscript is due in a few short weeks so it's kind of crunch time and the final chapter that I'm working on so the book at this point the working title is boy mom and it is 12 things you want to equip your son with before he launches into the great big world and I have covered 11 topics pretty thoroughly need some editing but the final chapter I'm really working on right now is about raising a son who loves to learn and discovers his passions, his hobbies and interests. And that's when I appreciated your teaching on boys and learning and all of the things you covered in that. So just really inspired me and you'll be finding some of that in my chapter. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm excited you've you've got a due date. That's always helpful to finishing a project. It is. It is. I think and, uh, I needed that. <laughs> I will look forward to, to reading a copy. You'll be sure and let us I, know when it's available. We can snap it up on Amazon right away. <laughs> Excellent. I would be honored. And yes, I, I started working on my book just over a year ago. So it feels very good to be nearing the end of this first stage. And the topic of boys and learning, I just enjoy because I've had, of course, my I've homeschooled all the way through for for all of my boys. My oldest did go through first grade at a traditional school, but we've homeschooled the rest of the way. And I do believe that your 
IEW courses were a real foundation for everything we did, especially in those early years of homeschooling through a co-op and then at home as well. So I want to thank you personally for all you've done. Well, I'm glad it's been helpful and uh, yes. that you're, you're still in the thick of it too. So that's I, I still am. learning. I, yes, and I, I wanted to share with you that my oldest son has taken up a real interest in writing, though he's kind of a math and science guy. He also loves to write, and this he's in a gap year right now before he goes away to college, and he, as part of his gap year, finished a long project he's been working for years on, and he just published his own novella, he calls it, a short novel, <laughs> an adventure story, which I think he would say a lot of his love for learning did begin with his experience with IEW as an elementary student. So, wow, fantastic. Well, send us the link son, to where we can get that one, too. I will. It's called Submarine, and I would love to share that link. It's an excellent book. I think you'll be impressed. <laughs> All right. I will read it. <laughs> awesome. So, Monica, are there some specific questions that you have for Andrew? Yes. Well, as part of the process of writing my book, I have put out a few blog posts to my readers to ask them the areas that they are most concerned or challenged with in raising their own sons. So really what I will do is just pass on a couple of the questions that my readers have sent to me. And then in answering those, perhaps that will be helpful to many more people. I think with the topic of boys and learning, real reoccurring theme or question has to do with motivation. And I've had a lot of readers tell me that their sons are smart, that they are you know, very capable but especially hitting maybe the junior high years, they lose motivation and the moms are really struggling with how to keep them motivated. I'm curious if Andrew has any helpful tips for motivating a smart but unmotivated son. Well, there's, there's a couple angles on that. The first one I would say is that this is probably the hardest time in history to mm. motivate teenage boys because they live in a world of continuous distraction. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe not your kids, but so many boys get caught up into electronic entertainments and video games and things that are competitive, but very, very distracting. Uh, Leonard Sachs in his book, I know you're familiar with Why Gender Matters. He also wrote a book called... Uh, Boys Adrift. Boys Adrift. Yeah, thank you. Yes. In his book, yes. Boys Adrift, he does mention video games as being one of those factors that will undermine or derail the development of a boy. So I, I think that that's just a symptom of the larger problem that we have in society, which is the idea that children need to be amused, whereas mm. the kind of old school is, you know, you're bored? Great. You can scrub the toilets and the floors <laughs> and wash the mirrors and mm -hmm. and you don't say you're bored. So what do you do if you're bored? Well, you go and you find something to be interested in. Yes. So this passivity that we have along with the kind of parental compulsion to be sure that our children aren't bored, that, that this would be some horrible so suffering for them. And sure. so we give them whatever we can. Sometimes mm -hmm. uh, children, you know, escape into the world of books. And books are a much more active experience. Therefore, they engender mm -hmm. industry. 
to read a book, you have to imagine, you have to interact in your mind, sometimes in your heart, you have to travel through the book. Mm -hmm. These are these are all things you have to engage in. So, you know, they're active. Unlike TV, you know, television and, and amusements are, are so much more passive. So that would be the first thing. Now, there's another aspect of teenage boys that comes into play here, and I'm sure you have dealt with this three times and you're getting ready for the fourth, and that is they, around a certain age, somewhere between 11 and 14, really just don't want to be bossed around anymore, especially by a female. They're just done. You know, I I want to boss myself around. I do not want to be micromanaged. I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to be forced into this and that. And so how do we work through that? Because they're obviously needing direction and guidance to make good choices. They need to still practice that and develop wisdom. But on the other hand... They need more freedom to be able to make the choices that will allow them to buy in to whatever it is they're doing. And so that's a, that's a difficult equation. Now, I think to the degree that we imitate schools, uh, schools are pretty much about you sign up for a class and then the teacher tells you exactly what to read and exactly what to do and exactly which worksheets to turn in when and what papers to write maybe and what tests to take. And so teenagers can very often become cynical in that world because they realize being in that environment, it's more about winning the game of be in school or do school than it is actually learning. Occasionally, they'll bump into a teacher who's motivating or inspiring, and then they'll say, mm-hmm. oh, this is interesting, and then they'll, they'll play the game with a lot more enthusiasm and likely yes. take more out of it. But all too often, I think, you know, even when we homeschool, we will kind of imitate this thing and say, here's the book, and you must do all of these things to prove that you learned what's in this book. And, of course, realistically, and I know you've heard me say this, you know, two months after you finished the class or finished the book or did the course or whatever, what percentage of it really have you retained? You know, if you're a genius, you know, 10%. If you're average, maybe 5 If you're me, too. So what we end up doing is spending a lot of time forcing children to successfully not learn a lot of what they're attending to. So it then we run into the other difficult balance. There's certain things everyone should know, right? There's certain, it's good to know the history of your country. It's good to know some of the, you know, your, your government, your language, the grammar of your world. It's good to know some science. It's good to know things that inform you and will help you you know, find your way and make good decisions later on. But how much do you force that? That's the other problem. Yes. So really, we don't have an answer to this question, but we do have no. two important paradoxes for parents to contemplate, which is how do you deal with a culture of children that expect to be entertained? They actually believe they have a right to be entertained and amused all the time. Yes. And then how do you deal with the problem that what every boy wants is to be grown up and gone, at, yeah. at least at some level, and then how do you navigate the years between that impetus 
and that fulfillment? I have no Tough answers. Stuff. Do you have any answers? <laughs> well, you'll have to wait on the book. But <laughs> I think I think those are all really good points. And in my family, I think that I use communication for a lot of this is just talking to them about the paradoxes, talking to them about what they're going through, making it something that is okay and not that they're wrong for struggling or being frustrated, but talking about it in such a way that, you know, embraces both sides, that this is hard, but this is a necessary mm-hmm. part of growing up. So I, I Have think you that's- noticed, uh, Monica, that boys like to negotiate? <laughs> oh, you know, yes. I, I think a lot more than the girls, at least in my experience, and and they're willing to make deals. So here, I need <laughs> you sure to study this and attend to this or do this or learn this or accomplish this. Mm-hmm. And if if you'll give me that, I'll give you a little bit of freedom over here to do what you want to. And and they're happier with that kind of deal. And And so I think you know, at a certain point, we we acknowledge the fact that life is in many ways a negotiation. We have hierarchical structures within organizations. We have rules and policies. But even within all that, there's a lot of, you know, let's work together so that we can both kind of get most of what we want or need out of life. So I would just say to moms, you know, don't don't be afraid. To negotiate, and if you feel like you're losing the negotiation, get dad involved, <laughs> and then it's two to one, and you'll be better off. Yes, I love it. I love it, and I think some of us are afraid that that's bribing, and we don't want you know we want them to do it for all the right reasons. But I have to agree with you that that is really a lot of how life works, and there's nothing wrong with giving them some challenges and letting them rise to the challenge and be rewarded for that. Which I think from your teaching boys talk. There was, you know, a bit in there about using games and rewards, and that really encouraged me. Yeah, I've heard people use that word bribe. You say, okay, you set up a a motivational system, you know, and whether it's based on, you know, points or stickers or time or money or whatever, people will say, well, you know, they should do that anyway. That's bribing them. But I always point out the meaning of the word bribe is when you pay someone to do something immoral or illegal, right? Oh, there and we go. I That's love cool. what I do. I love going to conventions. I love going and teaching teachers. I love doing seminars. But I'm not sure I would be doing it quite so hard if I weren't getting compensated for that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my wife would not let me go travel and do as much if I weren't getting compensated. So that idea of compensation is a very fundamental principle I think the boys are born with, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, if, if you look at a lot of women, they're, you know, they have an aptitude toward selflessness. Mm-hmm. And that's that's important because what do you have to do? You have to be selfless if you're going to have children and, and manage a home and it's give, give, give. Whereas men, if they gave everything away, who'd buy the groceries? You know, I mean, men, I think by nature, have to have a little bit more of that. Well, we need to negotiate. We need to be sure it's a win-win. I want to help you, but my time is important. 
And so I think, you know, teenage boys are in that, that mode of starting to realize, hey, my time, which is my time, is important. So how are we going to come to an agreement that it's good for me as well? Sure. Excellent. I love that. That's all really, really good. Really helpful. So thank you. So Monica, you said before we turned on the microphones here that your boys had a couple of ask Andrew anything questions. <laughs> One son in particular, the 14-year-old, the who more recently has been you know, revisiting some of his older IAW lessons. So I think he's especially fascinated with Mr. Poudois. And he had two questions have nothing to do with IEW. <laughs> well, that's okay. We'll, we're here. We can answer them. Do I like to surf? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, my two youngest sons, I don't know where it came from, but they have a fascination with cars. And in Hawaii, cars are not a, well, at least where we live out in the country, cars are usually more like beach mobiles that are full of sand and not too fancy of cars. But for some reason, they love to look at and talk about cars. And so my son, Luke, wants to know what kind of car you drive. <laughs> well, for many years, I drove very simple cars, truck, van, Ford Focus. And then I was kind of tricked into giving one of those cars to a daughter. So that left me carless. <laughs> and then I thought, I'm doing a lot of driving now. I'll in look Oklahoma. at a little more in Oklahoma. I'll look at a little nicer mm -hmm. car. And I, I made the mistake of walking into a Mercedes dealer. <laughs> and I have to say, ah, they they have it. very <laughs> masterful, persuasive techniques. I have for the last two and a half years been leasing a small, the cheapest. Mercedes you can get is a little uh, GLS 250. It's a mini SUV. I like it, Ooh, but nice. I believe that when the lease is up, I'm going to go back to something a little more humble or practical, like a, a Mazda Ooh. or a Subaru. Or mm -hmm. I still like that little Ford okay. Focus, but I have not actually ever been someone who cared much about what I'm driving. Mm -hmm. I've never really wanted a muscle car or anything particular. I will say Mercedes are nice cars, but I don't. Yes. And safe. safe. Yeah, but I don't know. They're Probably. all quite worth the price. We'll see what happens in six Great. months when the lease is up. <laughs> well, I think he'll like that answer. I think he'll be impressed. <laughs> And um, his other question, for some reason, he wants to know if you could go anywhere in the world where you would go. Oh, wow. Travel. Well, well it, different than what he's already doing, because Monica, this summer, he is going to China, oh. Russia, New Zealand. So where else would you want to go? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I have traveled a lot, but mostly for work. I think the two places that would be on my list would be the Holy Land. And I'm not sure I could get a mm -hmm. tax deductible excuse <laughs> for a business trip there, but I'm working <laughs> on it. I have some contacts in Abu Dhabi. So that, but okay. I, that would be a place. And then uh, I've always heard South Africa is of particular beauty and interest. Mm -hmm. I think my wife would be more l prone to the Holy Land trip. So 
those would be two places that I have not yet been to. Excellent. Good answers. And of course, the North Shore of Oahu, thats I hear that's a nice place to visit too. I was going to say, yes. Different from Honolulu. Yes, I'll come and, I'll come and play Catan with your boys and crush them. <laughs> <laughs> they so would Monica, love that. We do tease Andrew every time he has the opportunity to go to Hawaii because he has been frequently doing the homeschool convention there or doing teacher training for some of the schools that are there in Hawaii that we would very much like to accompany him to help him <laughs> out, but, you know, carry his suitcase or oh, whatever sure. he needs. But <laughs> there are many needs, especially in that forsaken land of Hawaii, <laughs> of paradise. I know. I know. Well, Yes, and somebody needs to drag him to the beach to get him on a surfboard, I think. Yeah, I'm, 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 uh, I'm past that. Anyway, any, any other questions from your, your blog readers? Yes, I, I, I was going to throw out one more question that um, has to do with reading. And I've listened to your podcast interview with uh, Sarah McKenzie of the Read Aloud Revival, which I love and am a fan of. But... Questions have come my way about boys and reading, motivating boys to read. I'm curious if you have anything beyond reading aloud, if you have any other suggestions. Well, you do need to find good boy books. You do have to capture their imagination. You know, with writing topics, find the grotesque, the dangerous, the extremely poisonous, the <laughs> violent, the humorous. And, and they're a lot happier to write about stuff like that than other stuff that might seem more important. Same thing with reading. I think there are some titles that are kind of timeless in the way they attract. Boys tend to uh, like any type of heroic stories. Uh, They like humor. There's one book that my friend Martin Cawthron uh, mentioned to me years ago, and I I remember reading it to my son. And it was just an incredible crack up. It's it's all, almost a hundred years old now. It's called Penrod, P E N R O D, oh. by Booth Tarkington, who I guess okay. was hugely well known in his days. Like the John Grisham, everybody knew, you know, Booth Tarkington. It's a boy adventure story, kind of like a baptized Tom Sawyer. It's it's, and it's got the humor. It's okay. got the mischief. It's got the little bit of. Uh, sketch romance it's got everything and of course you know being written a hundred years ago it and it has a certain set of values and wholesomeness that is harder to find in I think the world of young adult yes. literature today is really a minefield there's some great stuff out mm-hmm. there there's some stuff that's tough that's where you know Sarah McKenzie I think has done a great job is to help people navigate the world of, you know, the living authors, the the modern stuff. And then sure. we can look at some of the classics. I know that boys have enjoyed like the Horatio Hornblower type of, you know, Napoleonic naval adventures and all that. Mm. One trick that I know I discovered, I bet you've discovered, probably almost every boy of moms discovers is the get too busy trick. So uh, you get a a book that grabs the boy, you know, for the first three or four chapters, and he's like, read more, Mom, read more. And and you go, oh, I've got to go do some other stuff. And then you just leave it lying (laughs) there, 
face down but open to the very page you know that would be read next that that was the very first way i ever caught my son attempting to read anything without being forced it was a book called the bark of the bog owl which is a wonderful oh. series about a oh, maybe sixth grade reading level for sixth and uh it's it's kind of a you know it's a take off on on david and kind of the life and adventures of david only in a a kind of a fantastic world but there's no magic involved so it's kind of a a nice little comfortable world of adventure and a hero young young hero male very well written mm-hmm. the bark of the bog owl mm. so i read i don't I know the first four or five chapters of that and then i had to go away on a trip and uh, he mm-hmm. came back and he started telling me what happened next in the story and i'm like you read that you can't read yet how's that <laughs> You know, plus you read it without me. I feel betrayed. And yeah. he goes, but dad. <laughs> so, you know, that's one trick. And one more thing, you know, I would say is if, uh, you know, some boys really don't have that same attraction to fiction that that mm, you think would sure. be universal in kids, they really like facts. They really like to know what happened. I have a grandson right now who uh, is five and his number one most important must be answered question before we get into any storytelling or book or anything is is it real Mm. you know is that real he wants he wants to know you know and if it's not real he's okay he'll listen but he much more loves to hear what really happened. So I think that's why often we see boys have kind of a natural attraction to history and heroes from history. There's so many great stories of saints and and martyrs too that will appeal to the boy way of thinking. So, you know, we can't we can't force boys to like reading. The more I'm at at, you know, observing and teaching and considering I'm pretty sure that reading is more of a brain function than it is an academic subject that you can force someone to do. But I do think Mm. you can make it easier. You can guide them in. You can tweak their imagination. You can maybe even get books with larger print if that's going to help make Mm. it visually easier for the mildly dyslexic type of kid. Sure. When you you mentioned that, Andrew, I can't help but chiming in and talking about one of my sons who was a little bit delayed with his reading, certainly not delayed in intelligence, but one of his favorite books was the Oxford College Dictionary. Not kidding. (laughs) He loved looking at those pictures. Uh It was the the DK book. Right. So it had, you know, beautifully illustrated, and he would learn the words while looking at the pictures, and that was his go-to. That was his bedtime reading. (laughs) Well, uh, and and you know, my bedtime reading was the World Book Encyclopedia. Yep, exactly. I loved pouring over that. And I'm very sad that there's nobody actually printing Mm. full, you know, 26 volume sets of encyclopedias anymore. Well, Monica, it has been a delight to talk with you and to talk to a fellow boy mom. And I'm really excited that you're thinking about calling your book Boy Mom. (laughs) <laughs> because that's what I call myself. I'm a boy mom. Yep. But now, right. see, Monica, this is something that you have to look forward to. I have three daughters now. Oh, yay. I know. They're, all three of my boys chose beautiful, 
and wonderful wives. And mm. so now I have daughters that I didn't have to raise. See, and they're just they're just a delight. Yep. Oh, yep. So thank you that. so much for joining us on this podcast. And I no, think your questions you. to Andrew help both our listeners and hopefully your readers in the near future. Oh, thank and I look you forward so to having you come perhaps to visit us in Oklahoma. Yeah, if you get too comfortable and happy over there <laughs> in Hawaii, you can just come here to the land of ticks and chiggers and brutally hot summers and ice storms and tornadoes, and, and uh, it's more exciting. <laughs> well, you know, a fun fact, my father was born and raised in Ponca City, Oklahoma. No. Well, yes. well you yes. might get here then. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, when you come to this side, you come visit us. And if we go to I that will. side, we'll come visit you. How's Please that? do. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Monica. God bless Aloha. you. Aloha. God bless. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudoua and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. <laughs>